Netflix book club. Netflix book club. Yeah, I'm not doing this. Hey, welcome to the Netflix book club. I'm Steve McDonald. Hey, I'm Dennis Rooney, and we're sitting here today with a very special guest. Give it up, everybody, for Matt Burke. Thank you. Yay! Matt, in studio audience, clapping. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, you want to plug anything, huh? Uh, hey Matt Burke, him? Twitter at Hey Matt Burke. You can find me. There you go. You can find um, him at Hey Matt Burke on Twitter. Find us on Twitter is it, at is it Book at, Club. Is it like at sign at Matt no. Burke or okay? That would be at at. I always kind of hated that at. It made it very confusing. Find us at Flix Book Club of uh, NetflixBookClub.com. I follow on you. iTunes. Did you follow us? Of course. Appreciate that. We're trying to get the Twitter back up and going solid again. We're trying to. This is a slow train, but we're moving forward, people. Follow us on we're iTunes. We're on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes, Subscribe. Kids. Leave us comments on SoundCloud or on our main page. Uh, review us on iTunes. This week, you know, as is custom now, uh, the guest got to choose the movie. And Matt Burke, what did you choose and why? I chose The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that pop up on Netflix. I got excited. Did you? Because I hadn't seen it in 15 years. 15. And it came out in 89. It came out in 89. I saw it in like so 91. Maybe. Okay. Right after college, so it left a big impression on me at the and time. And you saw it again in 05. I saw it many times. But yeah. the last time you saw it was 05, and maybe then you let it go for a little bit. Before 05, maybe because when I first started dating my wife, her cousin was very into that kind of cinema, so I said, you got to see this. Yeah. So oh, that was okay. less. I carried it around for a while I think to shoot out at people. you got to see this. Yeah. This was your go-to to like throw people like, look at me. Yeah. Look at what movies yeah. I'm into. Yeah. <laughs> was, this like, was this like you had it on VHS and you would like throw it at people and they'd be like, I don't even have a VHS player anymore. I do and have it on VHS like, somewhere. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. That's funny. So I would, uh, I don't know, it just left an impression because I, I didn't know about cinema like this oh, at okay. the time. I didn't understand fully all the political Overtones. Well, what's it, it about? Allegorical Political overtones is interesting. We can cover that in the next segment, right? Yeah. No, give us a real brief. Now the story is just there's a there's a gangster thief, and his wife. She ends up they the whole all everything takes place in a restaurant. Uh, she ends up having an affair with uh, her lover, who is a bookworm who hangs out in the restaurant, right under her husband's nose. Mousy in guy. the restaurant. Yeah. And eventually he finds out, and he is a very, uh, he's not a nice person, as far as other than cinema characters other go. Yes, other than that, we'll get into it past that. It's pretty much uh, the whole movie, yeah. So, uh, would you would you say, we do stream it, or don't stream it, so would you yeah, say, after watching it again, movie, yeah, I would still, because I love cinema that comes right at your senses and your morals and attacks them and doesn't let you let go for a while. Good reasons. Steven. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I've come. To, I've come to think uh, of you as like just the curmudgeon. Like it's hard to turn you on to any movie that's not really accessible. It's not that it's hard <laughs> to turn me on to a movie that's written. There are there are a lot of movies that uh, that that are weird or um, or different uh, that I love. This is not one of them. Uh, I I'm gonna go with don't stream it. Uh, I I I get I get why you would love it. Um, the good thing is I can't defend it. There's no defending this film. Really. Uh, I yeah, can't. I feel like well, it's either be talking about it. Well, so it's yeah, like The Godfather or something. I'd go. You don't get it. You don't understand how good this movie is. But um, this, you can't. It's just there. 
Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Don't stream it. All right. All right. I was Dennis. uh, I was heavy on the fence with this one, and uh, I'll say this: the ending clinched it for me. Once I saw the ending, I was like, "All right, I have to." That tipped me over the edge, and we'll, we'll get into it. There's a lot. If nothing else, this movie is going to be very divisive, and there's plenty to talk about. So. Go watch it. You didn't say whether yeah, you're in he's, oh, he's over the edge. Did oh. I not say? Oh, no. sent me over the edge. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, like you should okay. stream it. Like it's where you're I'm like I'm on the fence, and it sent me over the edge. Yeah, it sent me over the that edge. That makes Find sense. Out next week. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, the fence suggests there's an edge on either side. <laughs> I'm giving it the thumbs up, but it was a rough ride. But I'm thumbs up. You should watch it and uh, come back in a minute and listen to us talk about it. Okay, we'll be right back. I'm not going with him. He sweats and stinks. And he can't make it. Well, that shit shut your up, Corey. It's like Georgie, you mean. Shut up. You're talking about Georgie. You're only fine woman. She's never let me down. You must be joking. Just shut up, Pat. Oh, Come on, Corey. She's upset. What do you mean, I must be joking? Yeah. Get rid of that. Don't do that to a woman. I do what I like to a woman. That's your bloody trouble. No wonder Georgie looks like she does. No wonder she hates your guts. What are you talking about? No wonder she screws around. What? You're so bloody blind, you loudmouth pig. You'd never even know. Shut up, Pat! And we're back. Um, yeah. So this movie's. Matt said something yeah. before while well, he was talking about it. He said, this kind of movie. And I think that's going to be thrown around a lot. Like, this yeah. kind of movie. Even though it's fairly unique, but there's been other. You know what? It reminded I, me. I had to stop like 20 minutes in to look up the director. Because I literally just had this moment where I was like, who made this fucking <laughs> who thing? Who is this guy? Like, just like. Just, just who the fuck is? And then I looked at it, and it was like, and his IMDb is like, is like leading up to this movie is like short, 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 short. This movie short, 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 short. And I was like, yeah, nobody gave this motherfucker money after this one. Yeah, he got Prospero's books. He did after this, which if you like, if you like cinematography, absolutely. And he has another. He has a movie that's coming out. That's coming out this year, and he has another movie announced. Yeah. Like and he's he did, so he's, he's working. He's, he's conducting symphonies too. He has symphonies with a vid- whole video thing in the back going on. Oh, I'm sure this guy. He's is also a sculptor yeah. and a painter. He does a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, like I knew almost immediately with this movie. Like once they entered into the restaurant, and I saw like what this movie was gonna be. Mm-hmm. That I was just like, I was like, oh, this guy makes art movies. Mm-hmm. Like this guy makes stuff that like I'm sure people that are smarter than me who understand like art film art like not like the art of film where it's like oh this great director did this or this great director but like when when it's like not methods but expression yeah like if i go to like moma and there's a video piece that i'm watching i almost always hate it and i'm sure it's amazing and i'm sure that there's something i'm not getting but there's always just a part of me that's just like as a filmmaker i'm just like stop it Stop doing what you're doing. Well, with this, this is terrible, and, and, and it like bothers name, me. It's Peter, Peter Greenaway. Greenaway, which doesn't he sound like a hippie douchebag? Direct, uh, Mr. Greenaway. I'll say this: I feel like he, I bet all his other shorts were like super art movies. Whereas this one, he was like, you know what? I'm making a two-hour film. I got Helen Mirren, which I think she, I presume she was pretty big at this point. I don't know yeah. her history, but she I know she's was. been around yeah, forever, right? Yeah. Um, like I'm gonna try to make it 
like the colors are very easy to recognize that kind of symbolism you know the things yeah. change i mean the characters are over the top it's not subtle this is not a subtle movie like you said matt this is like an assault on your senses it's anger right it's, away it struck me as a young lad as punk rockish that's one. it touched that same area in my head that the punk rock and then i found out later that one of the reasons he did it this way is because he was railing against hollywood at yeah. the time, he was sick of the Hollywood form. He said it was ruining cinema. Kind of like punk rock opera, this movie yeah. makes me feel. Definitely with just like a splash of uh, violence and sex. I mean, can we talk about Miss Marin's breasts for a minute? I didn't know. <laughs> First of all, she was still... She was, this She's not a chicken. She's not a youngster she, in this yeah, film. That's what I mean. Is she still... And they... Point about they make a point to say that like you know she's not exactly young anymore she can't have kids, but she is still drop dead gorgeous in this film. Yeah. Oh, Helen Mirren. Like in my opinion, looks wise, it's like Helen Mirren will be gorgeous and then she'll be dead. No, nah, she's not. I mean, no, I still think, I don't think like she's gorgeous anymore. I she's, like no. This is my thing. Classically is, beautiful. This is my thing. Is is that like if <laughs> you had to pick a if if somebody was like you have to bang an old lady. How I'm many picking, times have I said that to you? I'm picking <laughs> Helen Mirren. Like, like if it was like, here's, is that it's like you have like all, like, like all of Hollywood, I'm to think of another all old of lady Hollywood, like old women to to have sex with. I'd be like Helen Mirren. There we go. I'm gonna try come to on. come back to this at the end of the episode with another old <laughs> Hollywood broad that I'd rather sleep with. I gotta really sit on this one. Angela Lansbury. But I don't know who that is. Who's that? Um, Murder she wrote. Murder she wrote. I don't watch. What am I? I'm not. This is. I don't uh, dig through the bowels of Netflix television. Just the yes, movies. Yes, you do. Um, nonetheless. Speaking of bowels, uh, back to the film. Yeah, seriously. It opens up with a guy getting smeared with dog shit. Yeah. yeah There's full frontal the male nudity in the first 30 seconds. I said, that's Matt Burke. That's the <laughs> Matt Burke I know. <laughs> well, I definitely had a moment where like I paused it. I was like, oh, NC-17. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, this is the first NC-17 movie that we've had. And I was like, and the first. Is it? Uh yeah, um I guess so. And then I was also like, this is also the first full frontal dick movie that we've ever had. Is that is it? what I wanted to accomplish coming on this show. I wanted to yeah. provide <laughs> well done male nudity. Well you done. Had a male nude film yet? This um, movie, just hearing you talk about it, Burke, and me looking at the picture on Netflix and like reading the blurb when you scroll over it, and I've never seen the movie I'm gonna reference, but it gave me a very Caligula feel. Never seen Caligula only heard stories about it and like when it used to be shown in theaters and stuff and i was like this is going to be like that and sure enough you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie like i rolled over i rolled over that photo and i went to go click on it and i was like and i was like oh this is like a late 80s weird comedy like i had this a comedy too that's what they listed as i didn't find well no and i had like and i had like no idea what i was in for and and i will say that like that like it's it's a hundred percent like an assault on your senses. It's a hundred percent like the like like it is that. And I think that you know you made a good point in like initially in the opening when we talked about it, where it's kind of like there is no like defending this movie. No. Like I don't feel like there's anybody who's like got a gray area on this movie where they're like, nah, I could take it or leave it. I kind of like it. Is that it's That's like you either like where I was though until I saw. No, Money and I mean like Richard or which <laughs> which one was it? it and was the Richard, thing is, right? is that like there's there were so many like don't get me wrong, there were so many little parts and so many little scenes of the yeah. movie where I was like, oh, that's kind of beautiful or that's like brilliant or the way that it they decided so to do that. It was constructed of so many contradictory things. So many things. Yeah, going the beauty on. of the the beauty of 
the way it's set, the shots are set up against the ugliness of the action. Yeah. Or and, yeah, and like and and I mean, honestly, one of the things that makes me say don't stream it, not just as like I just can't take the 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 guy who plays the gangster. Mm-hmm. I he's just can't very take. Irritating. He's very irritating. But he's meant and to I'm be. Sure that not as much as the kids singing. I and thought the kids singing um, is more that, irritating. Yes, that is more that. irritating. Uh, <laughs> but it happens less often. True. And uh, I just had a moment. Cookboy who sings opera. I just what? had a moment where I was like an hour in, and I paused it, and I was like, "This guy has been screaming for an hour. <laughs> like he's been like there hasn't been a stop in him yelling for an hour." It's essentially just been pure him yelling. Well, he's the whole time, more or less. He is funny though too. Like he is, he is screaming and he gets it annoying, but he's meant to be annoying. And also, that's one thing I'll say about this film is there's so many things going on and there's so much dialogue, mostly on his end, that you'll miss a lot of stuff. Like I, yeah, one of my favorite lines that he said. I, I he said it I think to a uh, Tim Roth's character he goes, "You couldn't organize a rape in a brothel." That's fantastic. That is hilarious. That's quick. That's very. I feel like it's very British humorish. I will say this is is that like like art direction wise and um and just like directing wise and like filmmaker wise, I definitely had these moments where it was like, it took me about half an hour to figure out that it was Helen Mirren, like not because like not because it's like because it's like she's oh she looks different outfits. or like oh she's been crazy. No, but it wasn't that. Like Gautier, it was, by the way. It was Gautier literally. I don't know. Jean Paul Gaultier, the big. Uh, one of the top designers in the world. I'm wearing an old navy sweatshirt <laughs> right now. Kidding, folks. And blue underwear to make sure that the hole in my jeans is less noticeable. <laughs> and you're throwing out some French. Gonna recreate <laughs> the opening scene for us. <laughs> um, no, but but like it took me forever to realize. Like I had a moment where I was watching. I was like, "Is that Tim Roth?" Where I was like, and I had to go look it up on IMDb because. The way that they art directed the movie, it, everybody really did just like fall into the movie. Like yeah. there wasn't anybody that I felt like everybody in it was like it's like they were just a part of the scenery. Yeah. And they were just a part of like like it really was like all of the parts of the movie. There there isn't anything in this movie that's like there's nothing in this movie that's out of place. You're just saying like in terms the, of an enjoyable watch, not that enjoyable. Yeah, like as an enjoyable watch, no. Would I recommend this to somebody? No. But like this movie I'd recommend this to like a couple college kids or something. This movie uh no. Uh Yeah, because they're <laughs> impressionable and they'll be like quick to latch onto other, it and be like this is they'll give it a shot. There yeah, are other the there are huh? other like the experimental human. cinema films and stuff like that that I would that uh that I watched when I was in film school and I would point people at mm. uh who are in film school. Donnie Darko. Um totally. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Uh Coming from a diet guy who hasn't seen Top Gun, uh, I don't or know what that means. I just wanted to, yeah. Or Young that, Frankenstein. That I have a bigger problem. I with. haven't seen Top Gun. Young um, Frankenstein, The Godfather. We he hasn't seen this the Godfather. Every week. Come on, he hasn't seen The Godfather, and you and me would fight about The Godfather because I don't like it. Uh, no, uh, it's I don't. You know what I have uh, seen? The Cook, The Thief, The Wife, and Her Lover. Nonetheless, <laughs> uh, they the cook a guy, man. <laughs> I looked up. Well, no. I looked up the cinematographer because there's a movie that you can't What's find anymore. There's a documentary called Visions of Light. If you ever see it, if you can ever get it, it's just a documentary on cin- cinematography, and it's fascinating. Even if you're l- even vaguely interested Hard in the to film, find, though you can't Google it. You can get it for like two hundred dollars on VHS. Wow, that's about all you can find it. So I have this interest in cinematography. His name is Sasha Virni, and he actually did uh, Hiroshima Mon Amour. 
which started off the French New Wave. He was that the cinematographer for that. Mm-hmm. And Night and Fog, the Nazi, the Holocaust film. Yeah. The famous one. He works with Brunel. He's very, he's quite a pedigree coming into this. I and he did a, all of Greenaway's films after this. Well, and the thing is, is that it definitely, like, the world that he constructs is, um, is like, seamless. In the sense that it is, like, it's not, it doesn't feel out of place. He's not trying to make a real world. He made yeah. this world. And there's a lot of movies where like where like different scenes or different things would feel out of place or they would feel awkward or anything like that. And it's like all of the awkwardness that there is in this movie, all of the weird that there is, it all works. Like I literally looked up went to go look up who it was because I was like, is this Cronenberg or is this like you know, like who who directed this movie because it had that feel to it that was like that was like it it was definitely like like this guy had a uh, had a voice and a mm-hmm. purpose going into the movie, and he had a very distinct thing that he wanted to do, uh, which makes me respect him as like an artist. I just I just don't like his art. <laughs> um, I mean that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it. And you feel early on like anything goes anything goes here. I don't know what's going to happen. He could he's proven he could he's going to do anything in this film. Yeah. You know, as we go. Yeah. Uh, so like I wasn't a hundred percent surprised by anything that happened. I just also, uh, like, I was trying to eat at one point during this movie. <laughs> bad. Oh, bad, bad idea. idea. I mean, I was, I and, and I was eating Chinese food, so it was just like <laughs> it was just like, oh no, I can't do this. NC seventeen. I expected anything like goes, but I was still blown away. Like at oral sex in the bathroom, seven minutes in. You know, something crazy. I yeah. mean, I, and we already saw a penis in the first few minutes. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, and I hate to do this, but uh, realism in this movie, and like the fact that a kitchen staff beat up this gangster, like ruined this gangster. What? Why didn't they do this earlier? Like at first, I'm watching this movie and I'm looking at Helen Mirren's character, uh, Georgina. And I'm going, leave, just fucking leave him. Like, what are you waiting for? And then she says, you know. I left and he found me in Brussels and it's like, oh, okay, his, his grasp is farther than you'd imagine even though he's a bit of a bumbling, fake, like, fancy uh, gangster yeah. guy, you know? But, so, you, all right, his grasp is crazy. His clan, his crew must be really good at what they do and their numbers must be fairly big. And then he just gets bested by a kitchen staff towards the end. I mean, is realism not in this, in Greenaway's agenda? He's just worried about the colors matching up and the music and stuff. And seeing Helen Mirren's breasts. Does no one care about this but me? <laughs> Am I the only one no, watching I mean, it like it's a Ninja Turtles movie? Like, are the good guys going to win? And is it going to be logical? I feel like it's... I feel like... Um, Nobody cares, Like, that that did make sense to me on the basis that kind of was, like... That was, like, the underlying... The, the underlying subtext of the entire thing in this idea that kind of, like... That almost is, like, you know, this this... Like Helen Mirren really ends up at this place at the end of the movie where it's her like realizing she really has no escape like it like throughout the movie it's like okay well she has the escape of like leaving to go to the bathroom or she has the escape of leaving of like this man but when that man is gone completely now she has no escape and it is the time that she begins to speak she doesn't really speak yeah yeah she doesn't have a voice until he's dead and she's laying there talking telling yeah her whole story and and so like that entire like that kind of a thing is that it's like that that shift in her 
mobilizes the rest of everybody because it becomes this realization that is like I'm like you're you're dawdling like like everybody who's involved is kind of dawdling on the most powerful everyone except for the chef which again like where does this change in the chef come from and why doesn't it happen earlier like the chef gives is the only person to kind of treat the thief as a jerk from the start like he kind of he doesn't belittle him but he's like nah that's not gonna work he shoots down his ideas yeah tells him his silverware is crap he's not afraid of like the thief doing anything to him and the thief threatens him but like i guess the thief loves his food and that's one of his things i think that's kind of you know what this reminded me of i'm sorry to start yelling but i just i just remembered this he reminds me of the white hat crew in the box trolls movie man (laughs) the box trolls matt burke see the box trolls the Box Trolls is a kids movie. It's a claymation film where cheese is basically currency and there's a white hat club which is like the top tier people in the town, you know, the top class, the upper class and they get together and they eat cheese and they wear white hats and that's what this guy reminded me of. I can't believe that you're explaining the Box Trolls during this. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think the Box Trolls, a 2014 claymation children's film. But you know what? There's a, you have to admit there's parallels there. The way he... Food is like the way this guy access. Like, he leaves his gangster lifestyle for a moment, and he's kind of like high society through food, or at least to him, you know, yeah. like, that's... A, well, he's... he's Just like the cheese and these white hat people in the box trolls. It's this I, It's this idea of, like, of... I feel like the the kind of, like, like, what the various people represent is kind of this thing of, like, like, the chef lives in a world that is, uh, and, like, and his team live in a world that is both blue collar in the sense that is like they just work a job but it has a massive amount of artistry to it and it has a massive amount of like like underlying like beauty in what they do and he pays attention to that like from the very moment that you meet him in the sense that is like where he's like plucking the he's plucking the ducks and he's like well if you would like to try this without like with the feathers still attached then sure but like no right now i need to do this right and but there's like a massive amount of artistry to it where everything that the thief is doing is fake like from the moment that you meet him every single thing from from him being violent and and like and overly uh like like overly manly in in his aggression and everything like that is all fake like the entire thing uh for him is a lie from the get-go where it's like he's just a frightened child who wants what he wants but he's but like he's he's lying throughout the entire movie and the only person who's really being honest from the very get-go is the chef does this make sense at all i mean i think i think i think the wife and the lover i think everyone's being honest pretty much except for the gangster people are well, nice. no, but the wife, but like, but like, the wife is not being honest because she is, she is stay, like, she's being, she's, she's putting but she's on miserable. She's wearing, she's it on miserable, her and she's wearing it on her sleeve. But she's, she's not being honest with like the leaving, with the, with going after the husband, with doing anything like that. The, the, the lover is being deceitful from the get go because he's, he's having a like he's he's going behind this person's back the entire time the only person who is who is doing anything like like the only person who is being honest at all is the chef from the very get-go okay i guess the lover is being deceitful even though he doesn't know obviously he doesn't know the gangster or anything but it doesn't mean that he's an honest man i'll give you that but i don't know 
I feel like there could have been more of Helen Mirren's breasts towards the end of the movie. It was kind of <laughs> like it was like top heavy. Like they were all because they give you so much. It was it was top heavy. Okay, come on, top uh, heavy man. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense too if you go by the allegory that people think it is. The chef represents the working class, right? Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, they say the gangster. I don't think Peter Greenway ever directly addressed this, mm-hmm. but I heard there were riotous behaviors at the theaters in England when this first came out because people got the took it that the, they took it the, that hard. The, the thief, Brits? yeah, the thief was the Thatcherite conservative government. Right. The cook was the working class being stepped on by yeah the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was either Britain itself ignoring what's going on yeah. or the Liberal Party ignoring what's going on. And the uh, the lover was the distracted masses hidden. In books. In books and sex and avoiding huh. everything going on around him. A little heavier than the box trolls. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know, yet. man. I don't I know. I think we gave it three don't stream it. <laughs> <laughs> the box trolls? Yeah. I don't know if that's um, missed it. Well, no, and I but think even that outside that's of that that framework, it still works as for any government that yeah. elects. A it's it's got a little uh, Wizard of Oz thing going yeah. on. Everyone's everyone's got a role to play. Uh, what's going on with the food and sex relation in this movie? What's the two? And also, I want to say, this is clearly like the Dexter, op- a show I never watched, but I saw the opening intro uh-huh. to be redundant. And uh, this is it. Like, there's a scene in this movie where they're having sex and they're cutting stuff up in the kitchen. And it's like directly. Not taken from Dexter, but like this is one of those things I feel like where we saw it probably for the first time here and it's been played upon a bunch of times since then. I mean, I'm sure that I I don't know about whether it was the first time it was 89. So like there very well may have been other things. Or at least on such a huge level in terms of media, because this is like, I don't know if you could have gotten away with this movie movie? in 85. Huh? As a food movie? It's also a food movie. It's not that usually a food movie you want to eat when you leave. It's a food movie. I don't know. It's definitely not like Eat, Pray, Love. It's a food movie. <laughs> it's a comedy. This a movie picture. is not a comedy. I don't know where they I got to be honest. From. I laughed so hard this watching this time when he ran the dog over. <laughs> <laughs> there were, yeah. I Out of all the, the things do- you could laugh he, at. When you didn't think it could get any worse and he could yes, be more awful of a human being, he backs over a dog and leaves it quivering and Winning and you hear her whimpering street. later, and it yeah. sounds just like that. Uh, yeah, there yeah, were a I bunch mean, of things that, that made point, me it's laugh. Like, yes, you are trying to be completely ridiculous. I get it. When That's that kid gets a gun, when the kid gets a gun shoved in his mouth by Tim, Tim Roth, I just start. Yeah, I started cracking. <laughs> up. There's a lot of. I didn't even notice that. I had to rewind it. That scene. There's a woman screaming on the right side of the screen, and you're like, stare. I was so involved with her that I didn't even notice that until I glanced at it and I saw that the kid had a gun in his mouth and I had to back it up because I didn't even see Tim Roth come into the scene. But there's, like, the depth in the shots of this movie and even the width, just everything that's going on, there's so much that's happening that I don't think you... You definitely can't take everything in in a first viewing. Well, no, and there's things going on. It reminded me of, like, children's books, like, almost like a Where's Waldo thing where it's like... It is all framed like classical artwork almost. Well, no, and what it... Yeah. And what it reminded me of, there was... And and it's, honest to God, it's one of the reasons why I... why I didn't like it. Um, And and maybe this just makes me too vapid of a human, is that... (laughs) That's what uh, I think when I think of you, vapid. Yep. Uh, There was a... And I'm only thinking of this because I watched the interview that he gave. Uh, Del Close... Who's a uh, improv, uh, like comedy 
guru. That's for the God audience. Guy. We know who Del Close is. Yes. Yeah, totally. You guys, <laughs> we know. studied with him. Um, we do know who Del Close he, is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's not um, a remark. We're both comedians. But, uh, you think we don't know who Del Close is? You might not. Stand up and uh, and improv. Glenn Close's sister, thing. man. She ran the uh, totally. Uh, but essentially, like one of the things that he that he commented on with improv is that it's like nothing like 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 everyone should play improv like you're a uh, like you're a like you're a paranoid schizophrenic like every single move every single look every single word every intonation means a thousand times more than whatever was done like it just means so much more uh, and that was how he like taught people to play improv overreacting to everything not even like overreacting but just like if like it's just that moment where it's like if somebody asks like to pass the salt it doesn't mean like i just want the salt it's it's got so much more wrapped into it if you're thinking of it as like i'm asking you for the salt is that it's like well maybe i've asked you for a million things beforehand like every single thing has like like just many many layers draped on top of it and when i watched this movie it it had that moment where i was like where i was like i bet that every single thing has just like so many layers draped on top of it where it's like I'm sure that it's like oh yeah the fact that it's duck versus anything else that the cook is plucking means just right. so much to somebody well, then but simultaneously the I was like I don't I don't care Comes like up I, all the time man he this says is my I just don't didn't I just care, don't care. I didn't care uh, well, and the duck thing also goes into like what did the director intend for us to take or did he intend for us to just make whatever we're going to make from it or did he just sometimes a duck is just a duck and yeah we'll never and that's know, well no and mean? that's kind of my thing is is that it's like with a lot of films i look at them and even films that are like very artistically crafted um donnie darko there's i'll slap you uh is that it's like there's not that depth to the movie is that it's like you can read into it just just over and over and over and um and maybe it's there and maybe it's not. Uh, I remember something from college where I was actually like I was in an English class. I think I've talked to you about this before, where it's uh where we were watching "Do the Right Thing" by Spike uh by Spike Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like there's two characters and they're having a conversation. It's uh Sal the pizza guy and uh and Spike Lee's character and they're having a conversation like about race and about different things and they're having it over top of a cigarette machine. And my entire class went into like an hour long thing about how like, well, they're having this discussion about race over top of like uh, over top of tobacco, which was like, you know, this big cash crop that was had that slaves were used for and like divided people and kills people and all these different things. And I looked at them and I was like, or like like an hour in the discussion, I was That's like, or it's right. like it's like they were yeah. setting up something 10 feet that way. And they were like, oh, we can bang out this scene if hey, we just Spike, move them over to here to and we're on? on a deadline. And they decided rather than have them set up here, set up here because it's a different part of the shop. And they just shot it that way. Did you see and room 347? 237. Yeah, it's, 237. Yeah, it's Come like on. that. <laughs> it's yeah, like it's, that. Yeah. Is that it's like, oh, I'm reading into every single thing that but happens. But the great thing about and that the thing movie is, is that it's like, is that it's like there are some movies where it's like yeah there's a lot that's meant to be like drawn out of all these different shots or all these different decisions that were made this is a movie where i'm like everything every single thing that happens in this movie had some kind of meaning nothing was on accident i felt like i was watching it i was like nothing is on accident well indication that could be the absolute simplicity of the story there was no Nothing put into wow, making yeah. the story convoluted at all. Yeah, yeah. What's and yeah. 
and that and which like honestly it's like that was a little bit of my problem with it was that like when i when i go to watch a movie and that's the reason why i was like i get why like i get why you why you like it i get why it's something that you like revisit and like rewatch, and it means something more to you or you see something else but like i just it, it's just my own well also taste. i want to interject that was this was like burke's entrance into heavier movies i guess you'd say i know if you want to say like art cinema but like I, I'm still pulling at it where this movie's mainstream enough where like I think an average person could watch I never it and really like, consider I know this is arty but I never used to consider it an art film yeah it's not art like super out there darker and black and white and yeah. weirder <laughs> yeah this I mean this was well no like I mean don't get me wrong there was a plot in there was this, a R- which I feel like is one of the very big like differences that happens a lot of the time with mm-hmm. like with super art film is that it's like it has no like there's no plot really um, this definitely had a plot to it but at the same time, like when when I look at this movie, it it just has that moment to it where it's like where it's like what I what I love about movies. One of the things I love about this podcast is like is characters and character development and story and growth. And that's one of the things where it's like I feel like there was like the director had so many things he decided he was going to make it about that it lost a lot of that like character depth and growth that you have within filmmaking. Like it was like he was painting a painting or it was like he was yeah. making a sculpture in the sense that was like all of this means something is that it's like, yeah, but what I really want to know about is like the interpersonal relationships between these people and not quite like that. It's like this guy means this and this guy means that like that's what was lost on me was that it was like I didn't. I didn't I didn't love and buy the fact that it's like oh Helen Mirren's character is like finally finding this person that she can share outside of this marriage that's absolutely terrible where he beats her and he does these things wonderful I can connect with that it's that it's like it really was like this is means something other than just like she's uh, like you know having sex with this guy in the bathroom like I mean the it, movie the movie's there on a surface level though it's not like you can't enjoy the movie without reading into it a lot you know what I mean but it is a very yeah. simple story, and it is. It's like it's almost like much ado about nothing. It's like there's not a lot to tell in this movie, but there's so many scenes, and there's a lot of dialogue. And like you said, how long do we have to listen to this guy shout? And he could have been he could have been funnier for the amount he talked. I'll just say, if we're talking about like snappiness well, and, and keeping like the movie he going, shouts, along, he and this and was like, like the most and like the again, heaviest non-funny Wes Anderson film, which I wanted, <laughs> which I want to talk about because Wes Anderson pulled a lot from this guy. He must be a fan because. First of all, a lot of the shots, especially the wide shots, the long shots, the symmetry of the shots, the menus telling the days. Yeah, that's, that was he right. He does that. He does that yeah. all the time in every movie, and also Helen Mirren. She she's she, in she's in uh, she's been in a couple of uh, Wes Anderson films. Okay, that's a stretch. Hasn't she been? I don't know. I'm just saying that like. Wes Anderson um, was probably like he loved Phil- this movie clearly. If you were like Bill Murray, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Bill, Mur- uh, <laughs> Bill, Bill Murray would have been scene. better, I think, as the thief. The, uh, <laughs> he yeah. would have been. Oh. If I would have, you that know, you know what? Had film. this been had this been Bill Murray just just ranting and raving for two hours, mm-hmm. I would have been like, I'm on board. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, well, no, and it's like I feel like that's that's kind of one of those things is that it's like and why it like to me it's like the underlying symbolism and everything like that detracted from the movie itself to me is that it becomes one of those moments where it's like the character the character flaws of like this guy rants and raves and says nothing like he like he talks for like 90% of this movie and says absolutely nothing 
within that amount of time. Uh, yeah, we don't is really that learn it's anything like, about... Is that it's like, I don't learn anything about him other than that it's like actually underneath he's a sad crying baby and he is fearful of everyone and is putting on a front. Like... I like I learn things, but I don't learn them through like the actions through like what is actually happening in the movie as a story. I learn it through what is not happening in the story. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm saying a bunch of things that are being met with just like pure silence. By the way, guys, they're just staring at me. (laughs) I I mean, I, I agree with you on most parts, but it just doesn't bother me that much. And okay. also, like, to learn th- things through inaction or from things not being told, that's just as valuable as learning things from action. How did you feel about the ending, man? Because that's what, once I, I, saw, I was on the fence, this movie was kind of slow and, you know, a little tedious at times, and then I got to the ending, and I was like, all right, this is our big final note, it's pretty cool, it, it was worth, st- I thought it was worth sticking it out and watching it, and I liked how it ended. I I love even though it's a little weird that suddenly this kitchen staff can overrun this gangster. I loved the ending. Um, I think that part of my problem and and like it made a lot of sense to me. I've seen this happen with uh with uh a lot of a lot of different movies. Is that um I look at them and I'm like, oh, it was a short. Like this was. This was twenty minutes, thirty this minutes long. This wasn't a short, and then they turned. Then, then no, no, I don't like mean like, oh, it was a short. I mean that it, what it felt like was was one of these things where it's like, where it's like, there's many movies that I've watched where it either was a short and it, they made a feature out of it, or it was like close, and they just kept going with it, or somebody should have looked at somebody at one point or another and gone, hey. This I completely disagree with. This is this is forty minutes long at best. And this movie had to be two hours long. We're lucky it wasn't two hours and forty five minutes yeah. long because you know Greenaway I, probably no, no, wanted I to will, do it. I will I will admit that. Is but that I it's also like, will this say, definitely felt like one of those things where it was like as they were going, especially with like the days of the week that everything yeah. was, was that I was like what in if it did the original week? I was like the <laughs> original Friday. Yeah, I was <laughs> like oh, damn it. Yeah. Well no, I was like the original cut of this movie was five hours long. Uh, but they also made they released I don't know if it was on VHS or for TV or for what I don't know for theaters but there was an R-rated release that was only 90 minutes and I was like what they cut out your favorite part mm, probably yeah <laughs> but that was that was was there a half hour of sex I guess there was a lot I don't know if there was a half no, hour she was timing them they she was like right? seven yeah. minutes at a time that was annoying too I didn't find that cute or well, clever had that maniac outside my favorite thing about this movie in a week. One week, one calendar week, Michael went from reading the menu to being on it. But I'm just... Everything's a joke to you. I know, but listen, I mean, do you really think she she convinces the chef to cook up her boyfriend, her lover... Yeah. And then shoots a, the, the, the thief... Yeah, shoots the thief after... One bite, and it's like, is that worth the horror of seeing your lover deep fried? <laughs> to have the to I before mean, you shoot the guy, she didn't them? like. It's, she didn't. It's a little kill crazy. him. Like she didn't kill her lover to to deep fry him. Yeah, but he <laughs> was dead already. Listen, yeah. like, I'm one so of those like, people where it's like, once I'm dead, do whatever. It doesn't matter. Also, but don't deep me, fry me and serve me, me up to whoever. To me, he didn't look deep fried. That's just all I'm saying. He was uh, glazed. He, he was. He glazed. was very glazed. He, he looked, looked like he had that Boston um, Market glaze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same color. Same. Um. I just mm-hmm. hope that it was actually the actor that they made the actor lay down and stay still and then get painted. It might have been. And like and like glazed. I couldn't believe. But it then he was like steamy that. too. He was steaming still. He 
was hot. Yeah, how um, did they cook that whole? That thing ain't cooked all the way through. Could have been pork. You don't know. That Maybe. chef was very good, according chef to a lot of people. Good. I don't know, but I also don't like uh, French food. So every time they were talking about food, I was like, "That's all gross to me." Him pulling apart the crawfish with his bare hands. I mean, it's meant to be gross. That was disgusting. And it, was. it was gross. Yeah. Um. I did love that at that point he was like, I'm going to teach you how to eat the finer things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, no, you're not. Just he settle down. Me, he reminded me of like a Raw Doll character. You know what I mean? Uh, just like big. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. And in that in that vein, he honestly did. He reminded me of like one of those whitehead guys from the box trolls. As silly as that is to say, if you saw this movie, I think you'd agree with me. The you're, box yeah. yeah you're making a lot of, uh, of discussions about the box trolls um, throughout this entire podcast. I'm going to go and revisit it, I think. Um, as... Like, I did think it was interesting because it really did take me by surprise. Uh, is the the use of color throughout it, where everybody's like outfits changed as yeah. they changed rooms, yeah. except the lover. He stayed a boring brown. Um, he was kind of boring as a character. Boring proletariat brown. Yeah, I thought he was going to be an actual gyneco- gynecologist. I know that's crazy. Like in retrospect, you of course hoping. he wasn't. But I thought. It would have been way more interesting. If he, like the fact that he was a bookkeeper at a book depository, I was like, this is so. I also love the <laughs> idea that the thief didn't understand like that a guy in a college existed or that his wife had been to one. Yeah. He was surprised. At all. Like surprised in That's general. how insecure he was. He was insecure about the gynecologist. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. there was something going on between him and uh, Tim Roth's character, man. At the end, remember she says, I don't think he likes, and she's giving her little speech to the corpse. Yeah. She says, I don't think he likes sex, with women at least. Yeah. And then she goes on about the things he does to her in the bed. Right. Yeah. Which were not normal. He was sexual so he was deviant. not normal sexual, sexually. Yeah. <sighs> There's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot. And a you lot don't of feel it's pretty good cool. at the end. You don't necessarily feel... I felt. When I read a bunch of little blurbs. I felt really happy when Helen Mirren shot him in the head. I thought he. Got I thought he was going to say, "I was so happy when it was over." <laughs> That's what I thought you <laughs> That's were. That's true, up also. For. But um, so you did feel satisfaction at that. See, at that point, no, I'll be honest. I, I was like, "I'm happy the movie's over," but it was cool to see that last scene. Like, I it was worth well, no, and about. I felt a lot of satisfaction towards it, and like the idea that, like, I hadn't fully I had kind of put together this idea like like generally the idea that you were talking about of like the the thief represents kind of like the Thatcher mm-hmm. kind of era I didn't connect it that distinctly just like or that it's like he yeah like he represents is. like like government corporate elitism yeah. thievery type of thing that come in and destroy you know, beauty of uh, yeah um, but I did think that it's like like when you put it in that kind of like mindset it uh like it is a very kind of like beautiful story of that mm-hmm. in the sense that it is like well he represents the you know like he represents the the food and the you know like the like the food and the sex and the you know more so like even the the conversation and the companionship and things like that to this to this woman is that he represents kind of like almost the easy way out Mm-hmm. Where it's like it's not having to confront the the big badass you know horrible thing in your life, and then the the cook cooking him and feeding him to that person to ruin his life is that moment of like giving away this where it's like where it's like giving away all of the easy way outs mm-hmm. to have to deal with this huge problem uh, of this awful human being, 
and putting that in kind of the context of government and all of those type of things, it's like it is a very interesting um, allegory for like that kind of uprising and that kind of attitude towards uh, towards like the world and everything. And he was choked on the book about the French Revolution. Yeah. Oh, wow. The symbolism. And then there's that Dead Kennedy song, Eat the Poor. Man, this is a, what was a who was the guy who wrote the thing? Don't look at me like that. You know, I'm being silly. I mean, fucking stupid. Wrote the thing. Who wrote the thing? Uh, Eat the poor. It was satire. Swift. Yeah, Jonathan yeah. Swift. Yes. Uh, oh, Bonfire of the Vanities. Solution to uh, the solution to An the Irish solution to yeah. something. Something. The solution something. to the Irish overpopulation and starvation. He said they should was just it the eat I- the babies. Was it Irish? I thought it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh. It was sympathetic to the Irish. He was being. No, yeah, I know. He was. It was satire, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, this movie's heavy, man. That was satire. Yeah, you weren't uh, supposed to take that seriously. <laughs> Sorry. Man. Um. Okay. Cool. We've got to wrap up. Uh, it was very interesting. This has been a very interesting discussion. It's given me a lot more to think about with the movie. Plenty I'm to talk. Still about. not. Never going to tell anybody to watch it. <laughs> um, no, you should tell them just to mess with them though. Like I want other people to watch it just so I could talk to them. I about will it. say this is is that it's like it is one of the much like art, like like very good or well composed art, whether I like it or not. Um, like I will say this is that as a filmmaker it's like this will stay with me for a very long time like in yeah. my head like when I'm going to because it's like I make stuff so it's like when I'm going to compose a shot or when I'm going to like think about how things like intertwine with color and with substance and all of those type of things it's like this will be one of those like reference points in my brain that will that will pop back in like I just know this shot needs a penis that will say, yes. <laughs> this shot a needs fried. a basted dead man <laughs> penis. That's the only thing that um, made me feel that when he cuts movie. off a piece, I'm like, that looks like pork. Um, and and so like I definitely like think that this will be one of those movies where I'm like, I don't like it. And then much in the same way that Dennis is referencing box trolls like a thousand times this episode is that it's like he was like nah I don't like this movie not gonna stream it and then like he's still every once in a while off podcast will yeah. sing the box troll song to that me that song it's stuck in my um, head man there's I a song believe. in it who made us watch that that was you me. right you jerk uh, <laughs> alright so don't do it according to Steven I'm, I'm gonna, saying don't stream it I'm gonna say go ahead get heavy for the evening watch this movie think about it for a while this is a great one uh, to try and impress a girl with, you know, because first of all, there's sex, <laughs> puts you in the mood, makes you look kind of artsy and like, you know, and it's on Netflix. You don't have to. It's not hard to find. Just stream it. And the vomiting and dog feces wouldn't interfere. It's all part of the art. I don't see. be so squeamish, baby. This is uh, this is what this is what I would say is, is that now that we're done with the podcast, can we re-record it as if this is just a romantic comedy? Yeah, I love that they build it like as four weddings and a funeral romantic <laughs> comedy. You <laughs> like stick with stream it, Burke. Yes, stream it with a warning. You like to give a warning? Nah, screw okay. that. Just stream it. Then. Just watch it. It's it's one of the crazy stream things it on for Netflix. all of your kids. It's one of the nuttier um, things on Netflix. Christmas is almost here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, this is definitely a movie to have on the background. <laughs> well, yeah, dinner right. is happening. <laughs> Again, make sure you go to uh, netflixbookclub.com. Go on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. Tweet at us on Twitter at flicksbookclub.com. Once again, thank you to Matt Burke for being on. Thank you. It was nice to be here. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow him at Hey Matt Burke. Hey Matt Burke. And uh, that's it, everybody. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye.